Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning. Uh, Monday morning for you, Scott. Afternoon for me. And we are here to recap the spring practice game in uh, in kind of a fun way. We got some of your takes from Twitter. There were a lot of hot takes out there, so we'll respond to those. We'll see how we how we feel about it. Maybe we'll do some some grading of the hot takes We've got some recruiting news. We've got a contest to announce, uh, or the the conclusion of the contest to announce, I guess. Lots of stuff here this weekend. I was actually in Paris with my girlfriend. I was uh, not able to watch the spring game live, but I did watch it this morning. Uh, we were we were kind of talking about this before I left for the weekend of like what what's the line as a sports fan of on a vacation with your significant other, you can, you know, take time out of said vacation to watch. The spring game is definitely below that line. <laughs> I don't know what exactly the line is. Is it like, like if it was a normal Michigan State football game, I think I could get away with it. But spring game, I, I don't think uh, meets that threshold. Do you think you could swing like a, uh... Youngstown State noon game on a Saturday. You got to, especially if it's just like a long weekend. Saturday's like the big day on your trip, right? It's like you're trying to pack as much as you can in. Oh, but wait, hun, it's 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 noon. I'm gonna be busy till three thirty. I gotta watch us beat up on Youngstown State. I th- I have the benefit of a let's say bigger lack of knowledge of the good and bad teams across the landscape than a lot of people do. So I think I could twist it. Um, It it would be pretty close though. Uh, But I I think I could twist it in a way that like, Hey, we're only guaranteed 12 of these. It's really important. You know, I I think I could get away with it. Yeah. All right. I would I feel, feel like guilty about it, though. <laughs> it depends a little what bit. the uh, what the weekend plans are too, and who's uh, I guess who did m- the majority of the planning for the trip, if you know what I mean. Right, like if if it was this weekend again, it's Paris. It's a big deal. I I don't know if if that would work. If it was a normal you know weekend in the mountains or or something like that then I would feel a lot better about getting away with it. But it, it depends on the size of the holiday. It, that's that's definitely an important part of it. Yeah, the spring game, though, even if it was a real spring game, I think we got to, uh, <laughs> we got to pick our battles here. Right, right. And thanks to the power of technology, we're able to just record it, watch it on Monday morning, and I don't really feel like I missed any part of the experience uh, not seeing it live. So... We'll get to that, some of the takeaways from the spring game. Uh, First, the recruiting news. So, you know, this was a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, I know Steve Wiltfung of 24-7, he put up an article about um, just the impact nationally of Michigan State's spring game. A pretty solid crowd, all things considered, uh, for the recruits to see, you know, given the weather, given... You know, the Easter weekend, I think it was a pretty good showing. So the recruits that were there, I think they got a pretty good experience out of it. And there were a ton of four or five star highly rated recruits in town this weekend, um, visiting with the players, the coaching staff and everything like that. So a big weekend on the recruiting front. 
some crystal balls came out of it. And most importantly, you always say, you know, what is it? One in the hand is better than two in the bush or whatever the expression is. We got one in the hand, uh, a guy who actually wasn't in town for the spring game, but was there two weeks ago in East Lansing. Eddie Pleasant the third, a cornerback out of Tampa, Florida, committed to Michigan State uh, Sunday afternoon, I think. And uh, three-star kid, he's he's not going to light you up as in terms of he's ranked 704th nationally, but he's got a pretty good offer list as far as a defensive back is concerned. I talk about this a lot when it comes to uh, to offers over rankings. And when I see certain positions, you know, when an offensive lineman has an offer from Wisconsin, I take that, you know, as as a pretty good sign that he's a good player. Uh, this is a cornerback who has offers from Iowa, who is a defensive back factory, uh, from Florida State, who has put out a lot of great defensive backs, from Penn State, the same. So um, a good player. I was watching his tape. Uh, pretty exciting guy. I think that that 704th nationally, I think that'll bump up a bit as the process goes along. Um, I don't think he'll get to like four-star kind of caliber, but he meets all the thresholds that you look for from a Mel Tucker kid. He's physical. He plays with uh, a lot of intensity. So picked up another commitment to the class and uh, hopefully have a couple more coming down the pipeline here uh, in the foreseeable future. Yeah. I feel like it was months since our last commitment. Um, I don't know who the fifth commitment of the class was. I think it was Bo Edmondson, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Texas quarterback. So, yeah, breaking the steel. We were kind of waiting for this for a little while. Figured the spring game would stir the pot a little bit. Uh, it's ironic that it's one of the guys that wasn't at the spring game. But a um, couple more crystal balls dropping in um, this weekend and just plenty of buzz around the program. So as we get through the spring, um, especially once these guys kind of senior year or junior years come to a close in terms of the school year, spring sports and everything else. Um, I expect recruiting will pick back up and uh, yeah, we'll have some, some exciting stuff to talk about. I think this was a great weekend for recruiting. It seemed like the the few snippets you could see, I mean, it's really, it's, it's tea leaves, right? Nobody's going to go to a spring game and, and then basically talk crap about the team they were at, <laughs> but uh, terrible but, experience, awful weather, coaching staff were just rude. Like, <laughs> yeah, Steve Wiltfong gives you a ring, and you, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's all right, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, so we'll see. Uh, it's exciting. We've talked a long time about this recruiting class and the fact that it'll hopefully and, and should have have some exciting things in store for us in 2024. Starting to pick up in terms of buzz um, with some high names, some high level names. So. Uh, yeah, we always like to pay attention. We don't like to go too deep into it. It's something that if you allow it to, it can really consume you as a football fan. And it's important to take everything with a grain of salt. Again, these are high school kids. These analysts can't watch every game of every player. It's impossible to know exactly how good or how bad they are. And some of them will work out a lot better than you expect. Some of them will be a lot worse than you expect. So everything with a grain of salt, but when it is April, you got to be excited about something. So we'll keep you in the loop uh, as, as recruiting continues to, to gain steam. Yeah. And there's, there's a bunch of official visits in June that have been lined up. We'll kind of go through those names as it gets a little bit closer, but uh, yeah, a lot of premium type of guys. I know that, what was it? Ruben Owens, the five-star running back. He said, he's going to be the prince of East Lansing because Mel Tucker's the king. Like he, he knows how to hype up a fan base. I'll give him credit for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting. I think you know one thing that caught me like this is referencing the spring game, but not necessarily from what we saw on the field. Um, Darren Harris was talking with William Golston, and he was talking about how William Golston was his. Um, I don't know what what it's referred to, but like the the mentor, whatever the guy that shows you around campus, right? When the high school guy comes in and you have one of the players that takes him under their wing and shows them all of the good spots and and takes them around campus and stuff. And I think that could be a a kind of benefit of we've seen how bought in like the guys who have remained at this point. You know, there's been a lot of turnover on the roster, a lot of guys leaving. But the guys that are still here, 
really believe in this process. They love Coach Tucker and and everything. So I think you'll you'll get a lot of stories over the next few years coming out about, yeah, I remember when I was on my official visit and Jaden Reed was just telling me how much he admires this staff and, you know, coming from a guy who who's played under multiple different, three different coaching staffs now, how much he, you know, respects this group. So we'll start to get some of that, you know, like years down the line when people are reflecting on their time at Michigan State or something. But um, that was kind of an interesting little note that I took from it as well. But yeah, a lot of recruiting momentum. We'll see here if we can, you know, keep it going with maybe another commitment or two over the next week or so. Um, that would be nice to see from our end because it gives us something to talk about. But um, it, it, it was really exciting and we'll continue to dive into the spring game stuff. But before we do, NBA playoffs are here. Uh, round one, I was watching Brooklyn and Boston last night. That was a really good uh really good finish to that game and the nba playoffs it's next level basketball get in on the first round action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba this week new customers can bet five dollars on any team to win get 150 dollars in free bets instantly you win no matter what all DraftKings sportsbook customers can also bet on nba hoops with same game parlays combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout the more legs you add the more money you can win Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Little insurance there from DraftKings. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which you're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and re- eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Scott, we got some business to get to. We have a contest giveaway to announce. We're going to do the, the draw live on the podcast here. So for those who haven't been listening or didn't see on social media, we are giving away two t-shirts from Breaking Tea. NIL licensed t-shirts. One is of Charles Brantley. It's the one-handed interception against Michigan. One is of Jaden Reed, the catch against Penn State. The entry rules were pretty simple. One entry for a retweet. You had to be following both of us on social media, uh, on, on Twitter. And you got three entries for a review of the podcast on Apple or Spotify. You have to be subscribing and following Uh, both of us to win. So we have our entries here. I have a random number generator as well. And we're going to roll through this. So the first, uh, we actually didn't talk about this, but I think it's fair. Uh, Again, there's two giveaways for two t-shirts. I think the first winner will get their choice of the two t-shirts and whoever gets the second draw will get whichever t-shirt is left over. Sound fair, Scott? I like it. All right. So let the drawing begin. I have my random number generator open here. I want to do like the horse racing one, but it takes too much time. So let's just roll this in. Three, two, one. Number 28, who is our good friend on Twitter, Owen S. One six one three. So ONS one six one three. We will send you a DM, but hopefully you are listening as well. Um, that is Owen is just his name on Twitter. So that's nice and easy. Uh, we will reach out to you, Owen, and you will get your choice of the Charles Brantley and the Jaden Reed t-shirts. Uh, congratulations, Owen. And for the second drawing here. Uh, again, this, this person will get whichever one Owen doesn't select, whichever one is left over. And we will get that random number in three, two, one. It is number 18, who is Brian CA eight zero five six five four three eight on Twitter. Brian CA bot on Twitter. Uh, let's see here. What's, uh, what's his name listed as Brian. Ah, okay. Brian C A 
lots of numbers. I can't find him right off the top of the search. So, Brian, we will reach out to you as well. Appreciate all of the people who joined in on the fun. And Brian and Owen, you will be receiving uh, DMs. We will get your address. We will send out those shirts. And again, Owen, you will have uh, first pick if you want the the Chuck Brantley or the Jaden Reed. And uh, we'll have some fun with that. We'll make sure you guys can post uh, those on Twitter so we can send it out as uh, proof of of receiving the the gift, I guess. So appreciate you guys for joining in on that. We will, uh, as the season gets closer, we'll do some more uh, kind of contests and giveaways. I think uh, we can have some more fun with that. Scott, any notes on the winners here? Congratulations. All of your wildest dreams will come true, but only while you're wearing these t-shirts. That's that's absolutely true. If if you uh maybe these will be like the good luck shirts um as you're watching games or something that'll turn into to something there. So congratulations, Brian and Owen. All right. With that out of the way, let's talk some spring game. We have a bunch of hot takes that we're gonna get to from you guys, but Scott, I want to start with you. Uh, were there any Thing that was there anything that really stood out to you? I mean, it was a lot of practice, not so much game as it was last year. A lot of guys who weren't playing and stuff like that. But uh, what did you take away from Saturday's action? I don't have much from an individual level. There were a couple plays here and there, but I don't think it's really fair to draw conclusions on on players based on one or two reps. Um, we can still go through them for fun because that's what we. Well, I'd say get paid to do, but um, from just like roster perspective, the linebackers are a beautiful mess and the offensive line is an ugly mess. Uh, (laughs) Everything else lies somewhere in between. Uh, The offensive line got pretty much handled by the defensive line a lot of the day, kind of to be expected when I think three or four of the guys out there were either freshman or sophomores, first or second year players in the defensive line supposed to be a strength for the team. Um, and in the linebackers, it was hard to keep up with who was on the field, where they were lined up, who was making plays. Um, it was great. It was great to see. I think we have almost too many options at linebacker. We saw some three down sets with a stand up kind of linebacker edge. We saw four down with, you know, the four, two, five, we saw four, three, four, kind of a more traditional, uh, yeah, they were playing front. a little bit of that kind of four, three under where you had four down linemen, you had two linebackers kind of in the box. And then Brule was kind of overhanging on the weak side. That was an interesting kind of twist on it. Yeah. I saw one with, uh, kind of just a, a more open four, three with the, the third linebacker, almost like a, like a narrow nickel, uh, where he yeah. was kind of that same just outside the defensive end, but almost even in depth with the, the other linebackers. Um, so I think f- just from like a playbook perspective on defense, everything we were hoping we'd see in terms of variation we saw in the spring game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be ready to put on the field or it'll work. Um, but it's nice to see them experimenting with it with the versatility we have in the linebacker room, I think you at least have to try some new things this year. Um, And I mean, with how parts of our defense looked last year, there's not too much to lose, you know? So uh, yeah, that was exciting. Um, From a personnel perspective, like I said, there's, I don't want to draw too many conclusions from one, literally one practice that we watched. Um, There was some exciting stuff. There was some, some yikes moments. Uh, but, uh, but that's why spring practice is fun. And t- the yikes moments were mostly true freshmen, early enrollees. I mean, you can't expect much on their 15th practice. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Darren Harris was asking Mel Tucker about it and, and just, you know, Hey, the fans get really excited when an offensive play happens, but that also means that a defensive play, like that's gotta be a kind of a tough lined as a coach where you're like all right yeah great play by the oh wait but that db just got torched like how do i i feel very conflicted you know (laughs) it's the same way as a fan during the spring game whenever a big play happens one way or another it's a really big positive for one guy but that also means it's a negative for the other guy and they're both on the same team unfortunately so (laughs) 
Yeah, there was one uh, Darius Snow forced a fumble. Actually, it was shortly after Mel Tucker made that comment that he wants to see some defensive plays celebrated, and uh, Darius Snow forced a fumble on it. You know, running back caught it screen in the flat, and uh, and the defense returned it for a touchdown. It's like that's great, but who just dropped the ball? Yeah, <laughs> and I think it was to be fair. I think it was Caleb Wolf, uh, a walk on um, number thirty seven. So. I don't think we need to hold our breath too much about ball security, uh, at least when it comes to that ref. But ball security um, is job security. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of Darius Snow, I mean, continues to just make plays wherever he is on the field. I feel like you could line him up at kicker and he'd still make he'd still flash. Um, He had that fumble forced fumble that was returned for a touchdown. He had a a pass breakup, put his hat on the ball uh, against Jaden Reed on a crossing route. I think he looks like a linebacker. You can tell another off season in the, the Spartan strength and conditioning program has paid off for him. And uh, if you line him up at safety, it'd probably be more terrifying than anything at this point. Uh, dude looks like he's, he's turning it himself into a linebacker. Yeah. That, I mean, really the thing I came away with was three players was snow just again, all over the field, was Winman the way they were using him? He looks bigger than I thought he did. We were kind of yeah. talking before, like when you watch him at UNLV, he looks like a little bit more of the slighter, faster, quicker guy. And then you see him lined up in a Spartan uniform, and he looked kind of stocky and and really well built down low. Um, that was interesting. He's coming off the edge. He's playing off ball, and then same thing with Aaron Brule. He's playing off ball. He's coming off the edge. He looks really good rushing the passer. He was causing havoc that whole game too. So those three guys and I, the the versatility they bring, that's going to lead to some really interesting um, wrinkles in the defense, I think, just because you never really know as an offensive coordinator, all right, we got number seven, like Aaron Brule. We got seven out there. Where's he lined up? And then we got four. Where's he lined up? And 23, what are these guys doing? Are they in coverage? Are they dropping? Are they – so you you have a lot of different things you can do with with those pieces. Um, Kimbrough looks a little bit more natural in the slot. I noticed that. He he was playing primarily slot reps, and, and he was getting beat pretty bad outside last year, but – he looked better in the slot, and that's typically a spot where you're not going to get exposed as much as far as like long speed and things like that. It's it's a little more quick hips, quick instinctual plays. So he looked more fluid there. Um, Chris Bogle, he looks the part. That was just the first thing I wrote down. Like He kind of has that Michael Fletcher first guy off the bus to him where – He's big, broad shoulders. Like he, he really looks the part of a power five defensive end. So he, he made a couple plays in there, but more than anything, it was just like he stands out in that defensive end group from a physical standpoint for sure. Yeah, he came off the edge on a running rep, um, and he was lined up on Jack Nickel, the um, early enrollee true freshman tight end, and just. <laughs> deposited Jack Nickel in the lap <laughs> of the running back, totally blew up the play. I mean, again, don't read into it too much. Jack Nickel has 15 practices under his belt at the college level. Chris Bogle has been in college, I think, for three or four years now. Um, and uh, and it's just generally a lot bigger. But yeah, that's, that's what you get. Um, Caleb Coley was torched a couple times, looked good a couple times. Uh, Ade Willie, I'm trying to change how I pronounce that first name. I read that it's Ade and not Aid. I think we were saying Aid for a long time. Ade Willie was out there quite a bit. Um, we were down Ronald Williams, but Chuck Brantley was out there. Marky Lowry was getting first team reps, presumably as the backfill for Ronald Williams. I still think Williams and Speed are the obvious one-two right now. Speed, speed looks like he almost looks out of place just with yeah. how big he is that corner. It looks like he like, looks like it should be the wide receiver. Like I was going to say, like, it looks like they, they're in like position drills. Nicole's like lining his own dudes up on the other side to act as like dummy DBs while they're doing hand drills or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. When he's lined up on Jaden Reed and he's got like two inches and probably 20 pounds on him, you're like, who's, who's trying to catch this pass? Um, he's going to be exciting again. I mean, it's, 
yet to be seen if it's going to translate to game. It's almost hard to trust because it's he's such a unique build, such a unique guy at that position. But man, if he can put it together, what an exciting guy to have on our team. Yeah, and it, and again, just comparing again, it's not really fair to compare to freshmen, but just because it was like back-to-back reps, you saw uh, an early enrollee freshman, Coley, in there, and he was bailing out, giving 12 yards of cushion on the outside. You know, something that I think a lot of fans were frustrated with last year with the DBs. And then you had Speed in there the very next rep, and he's playing not press, but he's only three or four lines off yards off the line of scrimmage, and he's coming to attack that wide receiver. He's not bailing out, and it was just his confidence. Uh, you know, he plays with a lot of confidence and physicality, and I, I think he's going to be a really just interesting player to follow the whole season because yeah, he stands out like a sore thumb out there. Um, as far as the other incoming guys, uh, Berger looked a little slight. You know, I don't want to say like skinny or anything, but just not really as as filled out of a frame as I expected after. I mean, this is his third year in college football, right? He's he was a true freshman playing at Wisconsin in 2020. And, it, and again, like he doesn't look small. That's not something that I think is like problematic at this point. But when you're kind of billed as the, you know, between the tackles, you know, coming in from Wisconsin I don't think he was billed by anybody as the next, like, I don't know, Le'Veon Bell at 240 pounds wrecking ball. But I think people expected more of, of a powerful frame. And so, you know, he's he's still got, what, we've got four months of hitting the weight room. Like, a, a lot can change. We remember the the social media posts from last year about the body transformations from certain players there's there's plenty of time to fill out that frame but that, that was something i noticed he looked a little slight out there yeah it was tough to read into i don't know the whole offense it was hard to get a good read on um i mentioned the offensive line uh depth that we knew was going to be the case going into this spring game but uh it certainly reared its ugly head and when it came to the running backs it was really hard to get a gauge on on where they were at when half the plays were kind of getting blown up um Berger looked good. I still, again, don't really think he's going to be like a takeover the program kind of guy, just like we thought, at least not this year. We still have to add in Jarek Broussard to the mix. He's coming to campus uh, next month. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Davion Prim, we finally got to see him after a, a spring of praise. I think one of the previous episodes I was talking about how I was interested to see if he was like, really competing for reps or if he was just progressing in his own vacuum. And I do think he was competing for reps. He looked every bit as ready to take reps as guys like Eli Collins or Jordan Simmons. So I still think he's behind Broussard and Berger in the pecking order, but I think he could be that kind of number three spell back depending on how the season plays out. Um, And assuming no transfers, which is a huge assumption, but given where we're at now. Yeah, we've got um, about, what, two, three weeks before the, the deadline to enter. So uh, about two weeks to enter your name into the portal from uh, as far as outgoing guys. There's still plenty of time for guys to announce where they're going. But as far as guys entering the portal and leaving their school, there's about two weeks until that deadline. To be clear, that deadline is to be immediately eligible to play this fall at another school. So they could leave in June. They would just have to sit out the 2022 season if they did. Um, But assuming all these running backs are around, you've got Eli Collins and Jordan Simmons, who at this point you can trust. You don't put them in the game if you need to rip off a big run or you need somebody to make a huge play. But you can put them in there knowing they're not going to make mistakes. They're generally going to do what they've done for the last three years. And uh, and you'll be in good hands. But Davion Prim, I think, is is one where he maybe has some untapped potential. Obviously, I mean, he's he hasn't even been on the field, um, so definitely worthy of getting early snaps this season and uh, seeing what he can do with them. Long story short, running back, uh, I guess, high floor for now, low ceiling, unless somebody really flashes and and shows something we haven't seen before. Uh, but it will be a more pass-heavy 
offense this year. I think Peyton Thorne continues to look really confident um, in every throw. They were doing a positional drill in the first half, just throwing um, like pylon short corners and uh, in posts and every throw he just, I mean, I know it's not live per se. He doesn't have dudes in his lap, but every throw he he puts the perfect amount of touch on it, drops it in there for his receivers, which he makes it look easy. It's absolutely not easy, especially those outside shoulder throws where you're throwing it to the short pylon, pylon right over the guy's heads. Um, and, and the receivers just loaded, just completely filled to the brim with talent. Um, Jeremy Bernard, looks like he's going to be ready to play sooner than later. I'm not sure how many snaps will be available this year for him, but he looks the part. Keon Coleman looks ready to contribute this year. Montori Foster was out, but we know he can contribute. Uh, Jaden Reed continuing to do Jaden Reed things. Um, This passing game is going to be fun. Assuming Peyton Thorne has enough time to throw the ball, I think we're in for an exciting fall um, through the air, which is something that we haven't really been able to say for a while. Being Michigan State fans, uh, the passing attack has been a little quieter um, for a few years. So obviously last year, a big year on offense in general, but right. overshadowed well, by the Heisman candidate at running back. And the passing game was good last year, but to your point, like going into the season – after 2020 and Rocky Lombardi and you know we were all kind of like okay like the passing game will definitely be better but it there wasn't this level of excitement of like whoa we could have you know a, a really special group there so that that is different as far as the offseason hype is concerned um any other like big take we got a bunch of takes here that we'll start rattling through and and we'll just kind of feed from there but anything else that you want to mention uh, before we get to them, didn't really get to see our specialists much, which obviously we're super bummed about. Uh, I did see Hank Pepper out there getting some reps at linebacker, at least in the positional drills. He was an all conference linebacker in high school. Um, so I don't really expect him to contribute there, obviously, but uh, we got to mention our, sh- our specialists when we can. Uh, no, and then tight end Malik Carr was out. Everybody else was pretty quiet. I mentioned Jack Nickel was uh, trying to get his feet under him. Didn't really see Tyler Hunt. I don't know if he was out there or not. Um, but uh, quiet day from the tight ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Let's let's get into these. I think we should do like how many peppers out of five, depending on spiciness. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good because there are some there's some hot takes here. I asked for hot. You guys gave me hot. So we'll start with the the Facebook group. Again, it's at Standing Room Spartans Community. You can go ahead and join there. To be honest, um, I haven't really done as much with it as I I plan on in the future. Um, So there will be more than just posting the episode and posting mailbag stuff. We're going to do some fun polls and discussions and stuff once once it gets kind of filled out a little bit more but uh james bannon on facebook he posted uh he he replied that first there were there were two takes here uh the dbs will be much better especially when williams and brantley are healthy one out of five and then uh d d tackles looks like they will go three deep without much drop off no wearing down this season if they stay healthy he mentioned Slade and Barrow being the first group, Harmon and Mallory being the second group, Hunt and Hansen being the third group, um, second and third interchangeable. I, that's an interesting point, just because like you'd say you'd look at Jalen Hunt as kind of the third group defensive tackle. You'd be like, no way, he's way. But then you kind of go through the list. You're like, well, who are you bumping out? You know, it's it is a deep, talented group, and again, maybe worth noting that uh, that that transfer portal deadline coming up in a couple of weeks here uh guys kind of competing for snaps and and after 15 practices they they kind of know where they're standing in the pecking order um but maybe that's an interesting group to to keep an eye on yeah it's a deep group uh there's a lot of exciting guys old and young nick Harmon was getting a lot of time in there even, especially given the depth at that position um Slade and, and Barrow still seem to be the guys, but you've got Van Summer and obviously coming in uh, to a busy group. Maverick Hansen getting older and has been productive 
when he's been on the field, especially last season. Um, and, and a guy like Jalen Hunt, who plenty of potential his entire career and, and plenty of praise last spring, one of those kind of spring crushes from the staff last season. So I, I mean, six or seven guys who at least five of them are in the second half of their or entering the second half of their college career. I'd be amazed if we didn't see some movement here. Right. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, even if one or two guys drop, I think it's one of the strongest D tackle groups in the conference and, and should be an anchor for this defense all year. Yeah. So moving over to Twitter, uh, Marshall Hart at Marshall J 93 says T Grizzly should have a salaried position on the recruiting staff. Uh, for those of you unaware, T Grizzly is a Detroit based rapper. He went to Michigan state. He was a student there, ran into some legal troubles. Uh, he was charged with, uh, stealing some electronics and stuff out of dorm rooms. And so Mel Tucker brought him back. I, I don't want to say Mel Tucker brought him back. There was no official word from the Michigan State football program about T. Grizzly being an official um, guest of the spring game. I'm guessing the administration that doesn't work for the football team, it, you know, you kind of have to toe the line there. Uh, but he was in the locker room and on the field. So we can, you know, take from that what you will. But Detroit based rapper young guy, you know, somebody that can relate to a lot of these young players, especially the players based in Michigan and based in the Detroit area. Um, I'm sure that went a long way. He had a picture with like Jaden Reed and and Trey Mosley coming out uh, in the locker room. Trey Mosley, obviously Detroit area guy. Um, T Grizzly was there. Interesting uh, dynamic there. I'm, I'm sure Mel Tucker and, and the staff wants to bring in guys like him um, young pop culture kind of names, because again, it's all about recruiting. And when you bring in those kind of people, it helps recruiting just objectively. Yeah. Mel Tucker taking one out of Mark D'Antonio's book, yeah. Rich Homie <laughs> Quan. Uh, Mark D'Antonio wrote the playbook on bringing rappers into the program <laughs> and uh, Mel Tucker's just following in his lofty footsteps. <laughs> uh scott l brown sl brownie on twitter who will come on the pod this uh off season we were in contact here this weekend uh trey mosley will lead the team in receiving yards reed is going to draw the number one corner every time and and some double teams mosley will take advantage and have a breakout year it is like a it's like a four out of it's like a four out of five spicy i think everybody would expect Jaden reed leading receiver last year Coming into this year as a senior, um, saying Trey Mosley is going to lead in in yards mostly just because of the opportunity that Reed's going to allow him. Um, I I think Reed is still going to lead the team in yards, probably pretty comfortably. But uh, but I like the take here from Scott. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Trey Mosley is a guy who can get uh, yards in bunches. He he runs a lot of those fifteen to thirty yard routes and uh he's not really a run after the catch guy but like i said he he runs a lot of routes downfield he could get some chunks he i'm I'm, i don't know he's fascinating it's really exciting i think he's a guy with a lot of talent who just didn't have his number called as much last year but when it was he made a lot out of those opportunities i think this year he's going to be more of a volume guy um and and I'm really excited because he has that knack. I don't want to say he's a receiver. He has a knack for catching the ball. But when it comes to wide receivers and everything they do from running routes, from getting separation and everything, the actual act of catching the ball, putting yourself in position and having, I, I think he has the best hands on the team. Uh, just from what I saw last year, we call him lizard on the pod because everything sticks to him. <laughs> um, I I'm really excited to see what he can do now that he he will be will have to rely on him michigan state will have to rely on him more he's not just a third option not just a guy you go to and everything else is covered up he's he's going to be featured in this offense and uh leading the team in yards only if jaden reed truly does dominate the attention from the defense and gets like a double every play other than that jaden reed just has <laughs> the ability to take the top off a of defense, the ability to uh, take something small and, and make it something big. 
And I think it's going to be hard for Mosley to compete with that after the catch ability, but we've seen crazier things. So AJ Morgan, this is at the uh, star legend 19. He has three takes here. Uh, Peyton Thorne will be big 10 quarterback of the year. The pass defense will be top 15 in the country. <laughs> And MSU will have a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate on defense. All very spicy. I think the pass defense in the top 15 is probably the spiciest after last season. Uh, Peyton Thorne, Big Ten Quarterback of the Year. I would assume most people would have C.J. Stroud at the top of that list. And with the talent he has around him, he's going to put up some stupid numbers. So I think it's C.J. Stroud's spot to lose. just based on him, he's probably going to throw for 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns with his eyes closed. So it would take a hell of a season from Peyton Thorne or an injury, um, which knock on wood, I never root for injuries. Um, it would take a lot. I, I, I really believe that. I, I don't even really think CJ Stroud is the next Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is like clearly better, but just with the talent around him and that offense and the play calling of Ryan Day, I mean, again, you can sleep, walk your way to 3,500 yards. So that's going to be tough. Uh, and then the Big Ten Player of the Year candidate on defense. I'm wondering, Scott, he doesn't, he doesn't name a name here. I'm wondering from you if there is a Big Ten Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, who that might be. I know you're a Jacoby Winman guy. You've talked about him all offseason. Um, would you go that route or or maybe someone else? I think it would be a linebacker. I, we don't have the talent at edge and the defensive tackles. It's just not a flashy enough position to to make a run at that award. And the DBs, I'm staying, you know, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so it would probably either be, I'm tempted to say Cal Halliday because we know what he is in this defense. We know he can make plays in pass coverage. We know he can make plays at the line of scrimmage and he can rack up tackles. I'd love to say Brule or Winman, but I just really don't know how much they'll be featured, what they'll be asked to do. So I'd say if I had to put my money on it today, knowing an MSU football player wins big 10 defensive player of the year, who's it going to be? I have to put my cash on it. It's going on the water boy. I'm hopping on the Aaron Brule bandwagon. I think hit he, he's a really good pass rusher. I who was it that posted? It was like um PFF. So PFF or something. It was like the most QB hurries in the SEC since 2014. And it was Aaron Brule leading by like 20. This yeah. guy is a legit pass rusher. And if you're giving him reps off the edge on third down. If you're playing him off ball first and second down, he he has that versatility and potential from a statistic point of view to have to finish a season with like 85 tackles in addition to 10 sacks, you know, where where that's where you really make some noise um with the voters because a lot of the voters are kind of just looking at stats, right? They're not watching tape every game. So you have to rack up some numbers. And if you're able to get a bunch of sacks and a bunch of tackles and and really stand out on the box score, like I think he could, uh, I'll hop on that bag and bandwagon and, and say he can do that. Nice. At Z500 underscore TJ, he's got a, a two-parter here. He says, great D this year, pass and run, top 20 overall. Speed, Winman, and Brule are massive upgrades. We'll stop there. Top 20 overall defense in the country. I still think defensive end is the most important position on defense in modern football. And I think our defensive ends are... Like, I don't mean this in a super negative way. I don't hate the guys. I'm rooting for them. But I think it's one of the weakest position groups on the team, if not the weakest, on the team this year. And it's a lot of what you can do on defense is defined by how much production you're getting from the edge. You have to contain the edge to stop the run game and you have to be able to generate pressure off the edge to have a top 20 defense in the country. I guess we're just talking scoring defense. I think that's the best barometer, right? How many points do you allow in a game? Um, At least points per possession (sighs) top 20. I don't know where we were last season. I don't know if you have that in front of you, but 
points per game were like 50 something. It was like 58 or that's just a big leap for me. Uh, and I think our offense is going to struggle a little bit at times to play possession football. I think our strength is going to be in the passing game. So I think our defense is going to be on the field um, for longer stretches. Some of these games being a top 20 scoring defense. I just don't know if we've upgraded our personnel enough uh, last year to this year to make that big of a leap. Yeah, it's like a 3.9 spicy. It's like almost a four spicy level top 20. I, yeah, I don't know if I'm there yet. The other part of, of Z 500 underscore TJ uh, without a miracle transfer at offensive tackle, like Mims, the kid from uh, Georgia, former five-star O-line could be in serious trouble, meaning run game and Thorne will struggle Injuries happen, and who knows about Horst need a big-time offensive tackle transfer. We've talked about this, man. Like, the offensive line is is a serious point of concern. Pass protecting, run blocking, depth. Uh, you know, ZJ or ZTJ brings up here, like, injuries happen. And even if we go into the season with five guys that were like, all right, you know, it's not an all-Big Ten offensive line, but we found five that I feel pretty good about there's no way you're going to start the same five offensive linemen all year. And the depth is a total question mark. So I, I think we're both with him on that one. Spartan bot at Spartan 18770. He says uh, he has three takes here. Sky, you can take whichever one you feel uh, is the most interesting. Davion Prim will be the starting running back by Big Ten conference play. So what's that week four? Number two, Brandon Wright will lead the team in sacks next season. Or number three, the winner of the Michigan State-Penn State game will play in Indy the following week. Spartan uh, Bob bringing... I, I'd say if we combine those three takes, that's at least that's damn covers. near a five. <laughs> that's damn near a five out of five spicy. Uh, the Michigan State-Penn State game being the... The East Division Championship is a huge reach. You have Ohio State and the reigning Big Ten champion not part of that conversation uh, if you're taking Penn State and Michigan State. I also don't think Penn State's going to be that good this year. So, like, not – I think they'll be good. They'll be Penn State, but I don't think they're going to be they're losing a lot, top yeah. two teams in the Big Ten East. Um, that said, Michigan State's still in that conversation. Uh, but I think we've said this previously in the off season. I think matching last year's season is pretty much the best case scenario for this team, given the concerns at offensive line in the running game, the shaky we could defense be, from last year. We could be a better team and win nine games. I, yeah. I think that's a really possible, like with the way the schedule plays out and everything, we could look back next year and be like, yeah, we won nine games, but I think this was a better team than than in 2021. Yeah. Um, Brandon Wright leading the team in sacks is like a six out of five. Uh, <laughs> given he's, I mean, he had a great peach bowl. Don't get me wrong. But that was like his only good game ever at defensive end. And when he's probably looking at like 15% snap rate. Like yeah. he's not going to be on the field a lot. I think it'll be a linebacker that leads the team in sacks this year. I do, unless Chris Bogle really um, finds his potential, but the the Davion Prim one, I think is, is maybe the most interesting take here because we've seen Berger in the spring game. You mentioned he seems, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to really light the world on fire. Jarek Broussard, I think will be good, but I still have questions on whether he's an every down guy. Uh, Davion Prim is a big question mark. I don't know if he could be an every down guy, but I don't know that he couldn't either. And he's, there's a lot of people excited about him. And every once in a while you get one of these guys that for whatever reason, like having a Heisman contender sitting in front of you in the depth chart, among others, you get one of these guys that's been in the woodworks for a couple of years. He's been biding his time. He's the quiet one. He's not on Twitter talking about his game. He's not, you know, getting attention from the media, but he's just like grinding and he comes out and gets his opportunity and maybe the competition around him is not quite what it was in previous years and it just explodes. It could be Davion Prim. I don't know. 
I haven't seen nearly enough film to really say I think he has that potential or he doesn't. But a lot of folks inside the program are really excited about him. And uh, who am I to say he's not going to be the starter? Uh, I We may not have a great running back starter this year either. You know, I mean, Jarek Broussard and, and, and Jalen Berger could be like, meh. And, and that could leave the door open for a Davion Prim, who's a lot better than everyone expected to take on the starting role and get 700 yards this year. You know, right. it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility for me. Yeah. And, and we could be looking at, what was it 2015 where it was kind of a three headed LJ Scott, um, Gerald Holmes and Madre London there wasn't really a huge difference in touches and carries between the guys. You know, I I'm very interested to see how that, that room shakes out. Jerry Van Dorp at JD Van Dorp says Peyton Thorne goes to the Heisman trophy ceremony. So Peyton Thorne being one of the top four Heisman vote getters. Um, <laughs> that's spicy, man. If, if Kenneth Walker couldn't get there, it's going to be really tough for Thorne. Now he has the advantage of being a quarterback. We know how much that helps in terms of, uh, Heisman odds, but yeah, that's, that's a long shot, uh, to say the least. The, the recipe traditionally for being a Heisman finalist is a quarterback box checked B high profile school box half checked i think like you know we're not alabama oklahoma ohio state usc but we're definitely in that tier two so i I think we're a big enough school that it isn't a huge like hindrance but you have to put up some crazy numbers and i just i don't know if if this offense will allow him to throw for 4500 yards and 40 touchdowns like he would need to to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. That's that's a hot one. <laughs> to be fair, though, um, last season, he had 27 touchdown passes in a season he wasn't being asked to do as much as he will yeah, be asked as a first-year starter. Um, uh, the offensive line, again, we've talked about it literally every episode at this point, and we will continue to do so, is going to dictate some of that. I mean, he needs time. He... He, I mean, he's mobile enough to make some things happen, but if you're going to contend for winning the Heisman, you need strong offensive line play. You need to be comfortable and confident in the pocket. You need to be able to keep your eyes downfield. No, you're not about to get pulverized by a Big Ten defensive end, and uh, and that's a big question mark. But, hey, Kenneth Walker <laughs> came in and uh, <laughs> should have been in the Heisman. If, if Kenneth Walker was a quarterback and had an equivalent year to his peers that he did, he absolutely yeah. would have been he probably would have won the Heisman. Um, so it's not impossible. Is Peyton Thorne that dude? Uh, I guess it's yet to be seen. I'd be amazed if he was, but hey, who am I to say? Yeah. Um, let's let's kind of speed around the last couple here. Owen, uh, same Owen who, who got a t-shirt coming his way. We got to read his take. He says, Amir Speed will be the best Big Ten cornerback since Darquez Denard. A uh, couple assumptions there. Darquez Denard being the best corner in the last decade of the Big Ten. Um, he's definitely up there, but there there have been some greats to come through since him as well. Um, Amir Speed, I maybe we should rename this like the wet blanket segment. <laughs> <laughs> like I, that's just we we gotta calm the expectations of some of these incoming guys. I did ask for hot takes. I I put this on myself, but. I just I want to be fair to the players. Like if we're putting this kind of expectations on him, um, that's that's a little outrageous considering he's started like three games in six years. But I look, we we're both very excited for for Amir Speed. So again, we asked for hot tapes takes. You brought the hot takes. This is definitely a five out of five from Owen. Yeah, Amir Speed, I don't know if he's a defend everybody kind of guy or if he's a matchup corner. I mean, he can he can defend the bigger guys, the possession guys, the the ball hawks, the the jump ball guys. Can he stay with the the quick jitterbugs? Can he stay can he guard any can he cover anyone or can he cover the dudes he's built to cover? That's yet to be seen. He'll need to do it all if he wants to compete with Dark West Denard, obviously. Uh it's also a tough scheme uh to really excel in terms of like individual cornerback play it's kind of a team secondary style 
They're playing off the ball a lot. So I don't know. That that's a lofty goal. And this was a guy who was usurped last a year. Lofty granted, goal, Herb. Granted, he was on one of the best defenses we've seen in recent memory, but you mentioned before the corners were not the strength of that defense and he did lose his job three games into the season. So you'd think he's going to be the best big 10 corner since dark Denard, whatever that means. Uh, he would be able to hold down a starting job wherever he is. Uh, so TBD. Hogard season at daddy Hogard. Aaron Brule will be a first round draft pick after this season. I love this take. I think, we well, we've talked about him enough. We won't spend too much time on this one, but he's got that versatility. I think he's got the athletic uh, prerequisites. First round pick, you know. Again, we asked for hot takes, but he will be somebody that the NFL will be very interested in. I I would not be surprised if he was, you know, a high day two pick or something, just because he brings you that level of rushing the passer but he can also step back and cover and play the run nfl teams are looking for that kind of versatility again i'm i'm kind of hopping on this aaron brule bandwagon i think that'll be one of these guys this offseason that i'm talking up a lot uh jake hawkins oh go ahead i feel like we need to come up with some kind of like jacoby winman versus aaron brule prop bet because i've been on the winman train the whole time and i've been a little bit surprised at how excited people are for brule in comparison i think they're both great uh prospects great players since they're both listed as linebackers maybe it'll be something of like who finishes higher in the postseason like first second third team honorable mention like if if one of them is a clear step up like one was honorable mention, one was third team or whatever. Um, we'll 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 workshop that, but I think that would be a pretty even way to to do it. Or most combined tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks, or so we'll we'll figure that out. But I do like that. I think that that'll be a little uh, a fun way to do the off season. Uh, Jake Hawkins at Hawkman eight six zero four three takes. Scott, take whichever one you find interesting. The defense as a whole will be improved. Really eager to see how the pass rush goes after everything with Brandon Jordan, his coaching history and pedigree. Offense should be strong again, but the offensive line will be key and tell the story of how the season goes. Some stuff we've already talked about. Agree on offensive line. Agree the defense should be better. Agree I'm really excited to see what Brandon Jordan can do, and it's a tall task with this defensive end group. I think the Brandon Jordan aspect is the most interesting to me. If he can turn this roster of defensive ends into a productive group, then he is worth every penny we've spent on him so far. Um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, at D Champ Green, at Coach Mel Tucker, rocks one fantastic tennis shoe wardrobe. Totally agree. I'm not a sneakerhead, so I I can't get into the like ins and outs of which shoes he's wearing on a consistent basic basis, but uh, he's got some style for sure. Steven Devitri seven. He says, Steven Devitri says it's uh, it was really just a practice. They didn't show anything. Wide receivers look good. Not really going to see anything until the first game of the season. Uh, Tap in sports. MSU says Jaden Reed will be in the talk for Heisman running. The offense looks to be centered around his electric abilities and relentless playmaking. He continues to make the highlight catches while maintaining composure. Um, Jaden Reed in the Heisman talk. Now we're going to have like the whole Heisman ceremony is going to be Peyton Thor, Jaden Reed, Aaron Brule, and Jacoby Windman. <laughs> what more do you need? Last one here. Um, Gator. Uh, it's it's just at MSU one Gator. The defense will do a 180 like the offense did last year with Winman or Holiday winning the butt kiss award that goes to the best linebacker in all of college football. Another award for us. Yep. Uh, We're just going to rack up award season. It's going to be Michigan State football. Notice he didn't mention Aaron Brule. See, I'm already plus one for me. Uh, I mean, our linebackers are the best group. Linebackers and defensive tackles, you can take your pick. Best group on the defense. And uh, Kale Halliday, I feel like sometimes with all this turnover we've had the last couple of years, we've been so focused on new names, uh, exciting new prospects with potential that's yet to be fit, seen. Kale Halliday was an All-American, a freshman All-American last season. I feel like maybe he's getting lost in the mix a little bit this year. 
he is one of the top two best defense proven defensive players we have on this team and uh i think he's in for an enormous season all right well we mission accomplished we got through every single take that was proposed to us we announced our contest winners again we will uh, send you dms congratulations on that and uh yeah let's get out of here um so until next week back to once a week just for for the record here i forgot to mention that back to once a week now that the spring is over Hope everybody has a fantastic week. Hopefully we get some commitments to fill up next week's episode. Until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.